We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome into a special edition of the Good and Plenty podcast. I know you're looking at it right now saying, who the hell are all these people and, and, and why are they on the pod? Uh, this one is dear to my heart. Uh, this is kind of how I came up and the guys who honestly helped me uh, come up. And it's a lot of the prep school coaches when I started covering prep schools back in the early 2000s. We'll do a quick roll call. All right, quick roll call. We'll make it easy. Raise your hand so everybody knows who the hell you are. Uh, We'll start with the uh, the grandfather of, of, of the prep schools, and that is Jerry Quinn of St. Thomas More. Jerry, you look relaxed. Uh, how you doing over there? Well, I'm actually wonderful. I'm actually sitting on Block Island overlooking the Atlantic. Uh, um, if you win a lot of games, you can go on vacation, not like a lot of you guys are all home working. <laughs> so it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all wonderful. And, Jeff, we did help you out uh, a lot when you started, but I think a lot of us thought we were going to get community service hours for it, which, you know, didn't really pan out at the end. But uh, we're good here. Good, good. All right. Uh, Whit LeJour, I think, second second in seniority command up in Bridgeton Academy. Is that right, Whit? Up in Bridgeton Academy, loving life. I was up, I was up <laughs> in Portland. I should have looked you up last week. I was up there in Portland. We did a uh, – uh, we had to get out of Newburyport, even though we love it, just to get to a different spot. We went to Cape Elizabeth and actually went for uh, lunch or dinner, my wife and I, outside in Portland. So uh, Maine, next Maine, time. The way life should be, Maine. That's the main motto, the way life should be. <laughs> Listen, it, it is a different uh, speed up there. That's for that's for damn sure. I don't know if it's all the weed or, uh, or, or what, but definitely a different speed up there. Thanks. Come on. You know what you were getting into when you got on this podcast. Don't, you don't need to, you know, be surprised at anything that's going to come out of my mouth. All right, yeah. next. Uh, who, I don't know who seniority is. We'll go with Mo Cassara since uh, you, you've been long gone from the prep ranks for a long time. So Long uh, gone. Long Worcester gone. Academy, gone. Uh, you were pretty sick of me because I, I think I wore your ass out uh, back in the day because I was closest. I was only 20 minutes away. Uh, yep. but, but I'll tell you what. That team you had uh, years ago, and we'll get into some of your teams, uh, was absolutely loaded. What, what are you doing now, Mo? Um, on the beautiful south shore of Long Island. Uh, actually, I was thinking of John Carroll today. I was driving through the Rockaways this morning, John, uh, on my way uh, uh, back home here. I have, uh, And if it gets a little loud here, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old that may may or may not enter the, the screen here pretty soon. And uh Working uh, for the same company as Jeff, I work for Stadium Sports, and I also work for CBS, um, and I have not lost a game in well over six years now. <laughs> we got we get Rafael Chilios, South Kent, back in the house after a little bit of a uh, uh, bouncing around Villanova, Washington, East Carolina. Have I forgotten any spots, Chills? Uh, UConn. UConn. There might be something else in there, too, so I don't know. You <laughs> forget you forget. How's life back? I have to go downstairs to ask my wife. Not back there yet. Still in, still in Greenville, but uh, we'll be making our way back up to the hillside next week. Good, good, good. Uh, 
you know, Bill Barton, you might have had seniority there. I, I think I skipped you a little yeah, bit. But yeah, Bill. Age-wise, right. I, I want to know the age-wise there. Barton, uh, what are you at now? I, I think I'm young. I feel 40. You're not 40. <laughs> I'm not? Definitely not 40. I don't know. I, After a I couple of Sam Adams, I'm 40. I don't know. No, you're not 40. <laughs> you you no, got me I'm, beat. I'm, I'm almost 50, so you're not 40, Bill. <laughs> I'm right there with you. All right, we'll do we'll do a little bit of a roll call, finish it out, and then we'll, we'll let, let's let's get into it a little bit. Uh, Kevin Keats, NC State head coach, formerly of Hargrave. Uh, we have uh, Chris Cheney, who still doesn't know how to use technology and is still the, the camera is still looking up at his nose, but he he looks pretty good. Uh, formerly of uh, Patterson Laurenberg, now at Scotland Yard or something like that. <laughs> We're missing, you're missing the first one, though. In Maryland, Where are you now? You're missing I'm missing the first, the first one? one? I'm, yes. actually, I'm actually at school right now. Well, if I go to first one, we got to go back to, like, West Nottingham for you. Yeah, but what was what Newport? Newport? Newport. That's right. Cheney, turn in your audio. <laughs> Christ sakes. No, that doesn't mean flip the phone. Cheney, this is going to be a rough call for you, buddy. <laughs> Complete shit show for Cheney. Just like, just like when you had to figure out scheduling them. It was no different. How did any of your kids graduate, Cheney? That's a different call. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Chris, <laughs> you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, there you go. Where are you now? You're muted, Chris. You're muted. Hold on. Let me figure this out. I can't. This is the longest introduction ever of a guy. <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> Whose idea was this thing that I want to know? Chris, you there? I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, yeah, we, we got go. you now. You can talk now. Where are you? I'm actually at school right now. So uh, we opened up the green phase last Friday. So obviously we're not doing much, but I still have to go to school every day. All right. We got uh, – John Carroll, Northfield Mount Hermon, down bottom left there. John, where are you right now that you've got moose behind you? I'm in uh, Red Lodge, Montana. There we go. <laughs> a little shot of the moose. With the family uh, or are you recruiting? Doing uh, – <laughs> not recruiting. Uh, Yellowstone Glacier. I figured I'd isolate up here. Nice, nice. And, so, and we got – last but not least, Jason Smith, Brewster Academy. Uh, when I broke in, nobody knew who the hell Jason Smith was. Um, I don't know what your record was that year. I don't think it was pretty, but now it's uh, it's a lot better. You've loaded up, and um, and we got Adam Frankelstein, who who has kept this whole thing going, um, and and really kind of brought it to a different level. Because God knows I was going to screw it up at some point. Um, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning, guys. Do you guys remember, and Chaney will remember this probably better than anybody, but do you guys remember when Bobby Jacobs had the war on the shore, right? He had it, and one year he just went AWOL. I think he did it one year, correct? And the second year, he kind of went AWOL, and nobody could find him. Um, and you guys were wearing my ass out, wearing me out. Everybody was calling me, 20 guys calling me all the time. Have you heard from Bobby Jacobs? Is the event going to go on again? Finally, I think I got frustrated and was like, all right, we got to have a conference call. And, and I got everybody together. We did a conference call. And, uh, and I said, I'm like, listen, if you guys want me to do it, I'll try to do it. I'd never run an event before. And, uh, and we pulled it off. Kind of Cheney and I. Uh, Cheney and I, Cheney found the venue. And I have it. How about this? I found, New Jersey. I dug, I dug this it was up. Jersey. It was in Jersey. It was in was Jersey. Was that Cherry Hill? Was that the one was, in Cherry Hill? Was that Marcucci? Like, yeah, yeah, Marcucci. Yeah, Marcucci. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was Marcucci. Yeah. Marcucci was the Jeff. co-director. Me and Marcucci <laughs> were the co-directors. <laughs> How about Jeff, that? You put, us, you, you put us at the best Hojo in the history of Hojos. Was it a good Hojos? Not at all. Horrible. <laughs> it was right outside of Philly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> What do you guys remember about that? I mean, who I remember it, there was a game. I think it was – was it Harvard Keats? You played against – Played against me. Played against that year yeah. that it was a war. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we thought yeah. we thought we started off well, and then Vernon Macklin, those guys, put it on us. Was it Macklin? 
Wasn't Macklin's team, Keats? No, I think that was Sam Young's team. I think it yeah, was Sam's team. team. It might, might have been Sam. Yeah, it might have been yeah, Sam. Yeah, I think it was Sam Young. Is that yeah. when you yeah. had Blatch and those yeah. guys? Yeah. Yes. Blatch and Gilbert Brown, those guys, yep. Absolutely. Hey, guys, that's when, uh, and obviously in due respect to a lot of the prep schools now, that's when all of the prep schools, um, everybody on this call was loaded. I mean, we had players um, one through ten, and now it's kind of spread out a little bit, but that that event was a great, a great event. We had a hell of a time in it. Jeff, you know what I remember about that year? I think that Chris's team that year, and it's just my humble opinion, was the deepest team of all time. In the history. I, I think, you know, I'm not saying they were the best team, but it would be a short, short list. But that was the deepest team. Chris, you, you had your, your 13th man was, was good. Yeah, our, actually our 15th man that year played – Chris Johnson played 11 yeah. years in the NBA. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Hey, Janey, was that the group that you had all – like six guys going to Memphis? Was that the same? Yeah. yeah. We yeah actually, here's the, ready? Here's the roster. Yeah. <laughs> here's the roster. Ready? Antonio yeah. Anderson, Sean Williams, Magnum Roll, Robert Sally. Chris Johnson, wow. Robert Dozier, Kareem Cooper. Those are the ones that you recognize. Quay Marbury. Wow. Good. Yeah. Great team. We actually played Kevin in the championship game. And I got to say this guy's name. Uh, we played at Appalachia State, and Kevin's team was loaded. He had, he had John Al, uh, Alexander on the bench, who was a lottery yeah. pick. Didn't, I knew what I was doing. They didn't even play. <laughs> And we, they were 29-0, and 0, we were 39-0, and 0, and we won. But the guy that ran the tournament was Wayne Otto. And if yes. y'all, don't, y'all don't know who Wayne Otto is. Oh, yeah. We got to know him really well. But he, unfortunately, just passed away in March for, on cancer. So yeah. I definitely wanted to say his name and how great he was at, at what he did. World B, uh, Cheney, they used to call him World B. Um, and I did hear that he passed away. But, yeah, you're right. We went to Appalachia State. What a heck of a game. Both undefeated teams oh at the time. The, fun, the funniest thing about that game, and I always made fun, because Wayne actually ref, – he was a FIBA referee, and he ref the game. And three minutes, in, three minutes into the game, I went to the clock and said, there's a problem with the clock. And – they all came over and they were like, there's no problem with the clock. I said, there's got to be a problem with the clock. We got 16 fouls and Hargrave's got zero. All I know is having to deal with scheduling with Keats, oh, my God, the worst. <laughs> Keats, you were the hey. biggest pain in the ass when it came to scheduling. Back hey, Jeff, I had a plan. You had to schedule me early – so I could get out and go to Thanksgiving break or Christmas break, whichever it was. But I, I could not – I was like, I'm not coming if you're going to give me that 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock game. We had a plan. Win, lose, or draw, we were going to leave out of there at 12 o'clock. We're gone. <laughs> Listen, it wasn't just the time. Yeah. You wanted, remember, you wanted one cupcake. You always had to have one, one cupcake and one tough game. Yeah, it wasn't any cupcakes, though. Uh, there no, were cup, nobody argue. on this call. But there were yeah. a couple you argue, of cupcakes. You could arguably say that was the G League. That was the original G League. You could arguably say that. Guys, the NBA roster between that time oh, period. You think fun. about our teams back then, guys. If we, if those guys, they could have competed. I think maybe at a, if they stayed together at a low to mid major level um, in college and won a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Who, who's the best prep school player um, ever? If I said best prep school player ever, is there somebody that comes to mind? Mar Johnson. Demar Johnson. Okay. I would have to go with uh, um, the New Hampton kid who went to Syracuse. Todd Bergen? No. Um, no. Um, Lawrence Moten. Lawrence Moten. Lawrence oh, Moten. Yeah. Yeah, that, was that was incredible. incredible. Hey, Jerry. Uh, Moten had a pretty good game against you. <laughs> And I recall you telling me after the game when we were shaking hands, you know, Whit, he's pretty good, but I, I don't know if he guards. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to give Whit a total compliment after they just beat us. 
So you, you always have to, you know, do a little uh, 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 sling into wit, you know, because yeah. you always get the double take. He, he, he turns, he, as he'd walk by, he'd turn his head about four times. Really, you just said that? Really, you just said that? So you have to keep well, I'll tell you, i tell you, Witt had a buddy. heck of a guy back then. Robert Baden, he was a heck of a prep school player. Robert yeah. Baden was good. Baden yeah, was a brother. heck of a prep school player. Baden, yeah, Alexander Baden. Johnson? Yeah. Uh, he was good. He was good, but Darrell Wright was was decent, considering he just said to hell with to hell with college. I'm just going right to the league. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's he true. Bad. He wasn't bad. Uh, um, what was the kid Max the, uh, had that went to UConn? What was uh, what was the kid? Uh, my first Karan Butler. Karan Butler. Karan Butler was great. Yeah. I, that at that age was I, I remember. Mean, on that, no, on that team didn't he didn't he have um, the, the lefty that played in the league for a long time too? Uh, Cat Mobley. Cap Mobley, yeah, yeah. And, and he had, and he had Sam Cassell. Early. I think he had Sam Cassell too, didn't he? Have Sam Cassell? Yeah. yeah. Cap Mobley cool. went to Rhode Island, yeah. Um, Mike Beasley was a pretty good prep school player as well. Oh, uh, Beasley, yeah, Beasley. Yeah. Beasley was good. Yeah, Beasley, we had we had Harris. Jeff Corleone uh, Young. Yeah, we had Corleone Young. He was pretty good. Corleone Young. Young was unbelievable. You know Andre what I like? Drummond and Andre Blatch, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Andre Blanche, the point guard. <laughs> yeah, guys. Well, why, why did it change so much? What was it? Was it the the rule that came in academically? What what has it been that you don't find it uh, quite as loaded from top to bottom as is when when I was covering it? Definitely the rules, and then definitely there's more te- there's more teams now too. So so it's I, it's definitely watered down. The NCAA back. It, you know, kids could go fifth year and, and get as many credits as they could, you know, six credits. In some cases, kids were doing a fifth and sixth year. A kid might have tried a school down in Mississippi. It didn't work out and come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you it was not unusual to have a sixth year senior back then. And all credits would keep counting. So, you know, in theory, kids could have stayed, you know, in some prep schools until they got eligible, in theory. I think it's stronger overall, Jeff. I don't. I disagree with your point. I, I do. I think it's stronger overall now because there are more teams and and there's there's a lot of strong teams. So maybe there's not, you know, I. Bottom line, I think overall it's stronger. Aren't there more kids though that that find a way to make it academically into college now and, and get cleared than there were ten years ago? I, I just feel like it's rare that a kid isn't making it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff, uh, all of us probably have had some kids that honestly paid to come to our school to turn out to be great players. And that's where I, I think you miss it a little bit. You know, I had Joe Alexander, who ended up being the eight pick. And then, guys, you guys remember the kid Ricky Shields? Absolutely. And, uh, so they were good players. But we all had guys that um, we couldn't even afford the scholarship, but they could earn um, – you know, scholarship at Division One level. And then I agree with Bill. When they changed the fact that you could um, – you used to could repeat your senior year. And in high school, we would tell the guys, look, fail English 12 and come to us. <laughs> and that's what it was. We don't do that. Anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I'm with Keith, too. Like, back then, like, Jack McClinton, I don't know if you guys remember him. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was nearly a full pay at South Kent. And, you know, his jersey's hanging in the University of Miami. Like there were, I think back then there were more guys like that that uh, a lot of colleges missed on, and we were able to snatch them up, and we kind of saw what they were and what they could be. I think back then there were a lot of guys like that. Um, Mo, didn't you have Bru- didn't you have Bru- Bruinton? What was the name? Yeah, Dwight Bruinton. I was thinking I was thinking of a kid. I had uh, Brian Winters' kid, Brendan Winters, uh, who yeah. ended up being a great player at Davidson uh, and played professionally for many years. And he was a full pay kid, complete full pay kid, and really was only had some Ivy Leagues looking at him. And then went to Davidson had a great career. And um, you know, those are the kids that you know I think stick out in my mind. Sometimes they have so much fun coaching. And I think on on that one team I had, I think he was like our eighth or ninth guy, and he ended up being mm-hmm. a terrific player at Davidson. Yeah, that I think the intrigue also is there are so many opportunities for kids to do a fifth year without school now. Right. They're, they're taking an online class and an SAT online class where it hurts us, you know, all of us who have actually coached at a school with a basketball program rather than 
a basketball program and for the year. So I now get kids who say, do I have to go to class? And it's, oh, yeah, five hours a day. <laughs> and, you know, they look at me like I'm out of my mind. They say, well, it is college preparatory, and we're trying to prepare you for the next level. And, you know, we bump into some kids who just say, well, I just want a year to play ball. I said, well, there are options for those, but we're, we unfortunately are not one of them. I think it's just the number of schools that pop up that make it incredulously difficult to get the lower Division One kid or the Division Two kids whose parents were willing to pay and now all decisions, I think, are being made fiscally rather than academically and athletically many times. Yeah, um, you guys remember up your way was all of you guys. Um, and we really, at the time, we only had us and Fork Union. And then right. um, Chris, when Chris got into Carolina, Chris moved in at a change thing a little bit. He got to Patterson mm-hmm. School and, and Lauenburg. But all of the – in order for us to get a good game, we had to – uh, wait for that Fork Union tournament, which uh, Bridgeton would come and New Hampshire would come. And then, obviously, with Jeff and Adam, we waited so much to get to play some of you guys because other than that, we wouldn't have much competition down that way. When most people try to lose weight, they think exercise. Whether they actually start exercising or not, the results are normally the same either way. I say the same because losing weight is all about nutrition. With Awaken 180 Weight Loss, you'll receive a customized nutrition plan weekly one-on-one coaching, and the option to receive 80% of your daily foods to help you lose weight your first week and each week after until you're down to your ideal weight. During your weight loss transformation, you'll be getting the tools to know what and how to eat so you can keep that weight off for the long term. As always, Awaken 180 will provide you free support for life. It's worked for Cedric Maxwell, Scott Zolak, Kyle Draper, Andy Gresh, thousands of others. I can go on and on. Now it's your turn. Call the long-term solution for weight loss and the official weight loss program of the Boston Red Sox, Awaken 180 Weight Loss, online at awaken180weightloss.com. Jerry, give me a good Andre Drummond story. He's such a kind of a unique kid. I mean, like almost naive to uh, where he's, he's almost too nice a kid. Did you feel that way when you were coaching him? Well, you know, uh, he was one of the few underclassmen. One of the things I've tried to do is remain – a postgraduate program. So when we got Andre, he was just 16 years old. And it's, it's incredulous because you look at him and he always looked like an adult. But when you hung with him, uh, he was a 16-year-old. And we really tried to create some separation so that he wasn't acting like a 19-year-old. You know, we, I, I wanted him to always be his age, you know. And he would do some things that, like, he'd have – water balloon fights and water gun fights. And people would say, this is ridiculous. I said, no, no, he's a 16-year-old kid. And uh, uh, um, just the whole process of watching him, well, the first thing about him, he was always the greatest kid. The biggest thing about the kid, he always wanted to snuggle. He'd come on the couch and kind of lean into you. And it's really amazing. And I think we're all the same when we see some of our kids on TV how big they are, but when we're hanging out with them, they don't look big. Like I see Andre running around the court and he looks like the biggest person in the NBA, but when I see him live, it's just Andre. And we look at kids differently than a lot of other people look at him. You know, it, it's just the size. I mean, we I've had him and then we had the kid Josh Moore, yeah. uh, who uh, Shaquille used to send sneakers because he couldn't get them anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just the size of our kids. But I think we all recognize they're all 18-year-old kids. So I think a lot of us are going to be consultants for the NBA eventually because we've got a heads up on dealing with 18, 19-year-old kids coaching them. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bill. Sir. I need, I need your, your best, uh, you know, you know what I'm going to ask for, your best Derek character story. I, I've heard plenty <sighs> over the yeah. years. There are I some don't... that you probably can't say, but give me one that, that you can I... say. I don't uh, dislike any, you know, I don't dislike Derek, but I don't know if there's any one story that stands out. I, I just, you know, he, he was a guy that played the NBA and I think I had him in uniform for 30% of the games I played that year. We just, you know, part of the reason just, he can be unlikable. He uh, can be, uh, what, you know, I'm hoping he's changed, but he just, it was just a little stuff day after day after day. It was just. I saw hey, Bill, I, 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 I got a funny one. Bill, remember you guys played this at our place? 
And about 30 minutes after the game, I get a call from you. You're looking for him. And then one of my players called me and said, Coach, I think the dude just played against hiding under my bed. <laughs> that was their no, character. That, no, that was – I thought that was the French kid that played for me. I thought, I thought it was – I'm pretty sure it was Derek. <laughs> I don't think he could fit under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and the best – the best, Jeff, the best story that – Cheney, remember you and I laughed about it this year. Remember after the, the deal in Rhode Island – Bill on the side of the road with his team, making him take yeah. charges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was that was during the New Jersey tournament. That was oh, the New Jersey, Jersey tournament. Yeah. yeah. No, no. We it was a high game. school. You could see it from the road. We were doing some drills. <laughs> we, we, played on the first game. we played on the first game at the New Jersey tournament and beat them pretty good. And I was so impressed by how hard they were playing when they were getting beat so bad. And after the game, I said to Coach, I said, Coach, I really I, – I didn't say it sarcastically. I said, Coach, you guys played so hard at the end. He's like, oh, we fucking suck. I said, okay. I said, uh, so we're driving back to the hotel, and I see them on the side of the road doing charge drills. I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. I'm telling you, it was a high school. That neat, we weren't on the road doing it. Sounds better on the road. Bill, just it does it sound better. Sounds better on the road. And it was so stick with it, Bill. Every one of those was a block, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> no I, want, I want to make sure he took a charge himself. <laughs> I always started it off. I like it. That's what I like about it, Bill. Yeah. Jason, how did you how did you build the Brewster program? With all these dudes around that had already been more established, you, you kind of did it a little bit differently, didn't you? It was the start of social media a little bit, and you kind of took advantage of that, didn't you? Uh, a little bit. I think uh, Coach Barton was the, the first person to get me involved in prep school basketball when I was his assistant in Fitchburg for a year. Growing up in New Hampshire, I always had a chance to go watch Coach Lejeur's teams at New Hampton play in the late 80s. So I think that's really where I developed a passion for uh, basketball. I don't think people realize how good prep school basketball is. You know, you know. I think that's long been a, a well-kept secret. Now with social media exploding, you know, it's it's a little bit more known. But I think back, I think all these guys can attest to when they first got into it, it was really just the basketball junkies that that knew you could go to a game at New Hampton and see New Hampton St. Thomas More and have you know, 20 Division One players. Adam, Adam, what, what, what's your kind of best memory? I mean, listen, you, you've taken over this tournament, and you should be able to retire in a few years on this thing. So <laughs> what's your best memory since you've taken this thing over? Um, well, one of the best memories is why you had to get out. I mean, we're going we're gonna to throw stones. We should, we, should, we should tell that story. I mean, what was the, what was the, uh, the kid who you tried to write the tell-all about John Calipari and – all of a sudden, I ended up in head of the prep school world because you weren't allowed to do it anymore. So I was like, I'm <laughs> I remember getting the call. Listen, I got the call. I'm ready to go to the movies with my wife. And uh, you know how it was. Like, I'm working, especially back in those days, I'm covering recruiting and college basketball for a couple of years. So I'm literally, and my daughter's young. I feel like the worst father husband ever. Finally get to take my wife out for a movie. And I... I forget which story it was about Calipari. It might have been the Abdul Gaddy. It was. Yeah. It was the one about right. Abdul Gaddy, yeah. the kid who who's uh, from Seattle, and his mother worked at FedEx. And I wrote a story basically saying the COO, David Bronzek, was actually recruiting Abdul Gaddy and his mother. And I had quotes from the kid, from the mom, whatever, wrote the story. And it was hard. I was at Fox at the time, and the biggest sponsor of Fox at that point was FedEx. So I kind of fought them for a month. Obviously, they didn't want me to write it. They eventually wrote it. And I'm, I'm walking in the movies with, with my wife, and I get a call from my boss saying, uh, yeah, I, I just got a call from a big boy TV guy at Fox, and, uh, and basically he wants you fired. Um, Calipari says that he, there were four things that he said that day. He said uh, number one was that, that he said you're, you're an Arizona booster. And I said, well, honestly, I don't make enough money. I, they call me all the time. I hadn't given a dollar at that point, not a dollar. And, and I'm finally able to give some money now and not a ton. But that was one. 
Number two was you're steering players to certain schools. And I'm like, I think you guys can all attest to this. I was close with you guys. I knew every kid back then, every kid. And I remember, like, if kids would ask me things specifically, I would always be honest with them. Uh, I remember Emmanuel Negative was a perfect example, Jason. He asked me, and I went to Arizona. He said to me, do you think Lute Olson will be there? When, you know, he had gone through some health problems. And I said, no, I don't. I don't think he'll be there all four years. Uh, I would always try to be straight up with those guys. That was number two. I'm steering players to certain schools. I never steered a player to any school. I would try to tell them the truth. Uh, number three was the prep school tournament. It's a conflict of interest. You're running it. It's a conflict of interest. Um, listen, you, you could say it. I mean, I get it, and, and, and I understand it. But, again, I think all you guys would know, like, I was trying to do it for – the prep school community. I, I, that's why I didn't let this thing fall apart from the, the tournament standpoint and from giving everybody exposure. I was trying to help the kids. I was trying to help your programs. I wasn't making a whole lot. Adam knows this. Wasn't making a whole hell of a lot on this event per hour. It, it was probably below minimum wage. Uh, and then the number four accusation allegation was the best one that I was being investigated by the NCAA um, because the NCAA has they can't do anything on me. I'm not, I'm not a part of any of that shit. So I gave up the prep school tournament. And uh, Ginsburg, Adam Ginsburg was the one who put us in, in contact with each other. Yeah, so the first year you, you kind of had me do it, it was the first year that we did the, the national championships. And it was down at um, – it was Michael Beasley's year, and it was down in D.C. And uh, it was the worst officiated four games in the history of prep school basketball. <laughs> Uh, what's that i just saw whip nodding his head Your yeah, thoughts? yeah yeah i can't yeah, believe yeah. adam's going there yeah it's uh yeah and i'm i'm all of like 25 years old just kind of ducking from from uh you know wit wit just wit, wit wasn't happy suffice it to say but it was um it was i mean it was a four incredible teams so it was bill's team with michael beasley and they were they were a deserving champion no doubt about it they were a phenomenal team uh, Witt Wit had a phenomenal team that, that year. And then, you know, uh, Keats's team and Hargrave was great and, and Chaney's team at Patterson. So it was like that final four it was the first year we did it. And I just remember after that was, that was all like, I remember calling you Jeff, like in the middle of the game, I'm like, this is a disaster. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, it was kind of at that point I said like, Hey, if, you know, if I'm going to do this and, and kind of like be uh, answer, you know, answer, for the quality of it, I just want to be able to pick the refs and, and implement some form of, of quality control as best, as best we could. So that, that was my first year. And that was, geez, that was like 14 years ago now, I think. Yeah. Adam and I bonded forever over that experience. <laughs> if, if you can take, if you can take being cussed out by wit across the floor and still shake his hand afterwards, it turns out you're friends for life after that. So that was, uh, that was that was our our bond there. Can, can we talk about who we don't have on this call? Who should be on this call? We'll start with Mike Burns, former Winchington coach, because he had it rolling there, and he can't be on right now. He he's actually working, uh, I think, delivering packages, um, right? UPS or FedEx? FedEx? He said UPS. Said that. UPS or FedEx? Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Um, he, he's working his ass off right now, and uh, hopefully he's doing well. He's safe. Who, Mike Hart. St. Andrews, I had it at St. Andrews, one of those years where, honestly, I still think that venue was absolutely phenomenal. You had Paul Harris against Davon Jefferson in, in that mm-hmm. matchup, and it was complete mayhem. Like, you had uh, people sneaking in the doors. Kiwan Smith, was that his name, Kiwan Smith? His mother yeah. sneaking in the door with, with her family. You had some knucklehead, Carl Kuzer from Rhode Island, yelling at my wife in the lobby. Seriously, yelling and screaming, do you know who I am? You know, John O'Shea, uh, that was, there were so many coaches there, by the way, behind the benches. But when we played Patterson that night, I mean, it was, you couldn't fit another person in there. John O'Shea was letting people in the back door for $10. <laughs> <laughs> the street going. Because uh, some Pretty of the people good. from Notre Dame gladly paid to get in. 
I think that was that was my favorite. Um, honestly, I, I've got a lot of great memories from from all you guys. I do, and I, I tell people this all the time. I miss it. Adam knows this. I say it to him all the time. If I could take the the event over again, I would do it with you, Adam. I would do it, and I will. When I when I retire from this, I will absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll buy it from you. I'll do whatever because I missed it so much, and I still do because I just think there was a sense of purity with the kids as much as anything else. Um, you know, in terms of like wanting to, to to play for the right reasons, playing for scholarships. They didn't get a ton of attention and notoriety, so it wasn't about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, and, and it's changed. Listen, it in. You know, Jerry, you guys can talk about this a little bit more. You've been in it for a while. Frank Martin always fights me when I say the kids have changed. He'll be like, well, the kids haven't changed. And and I agree with that. It's the people around the kids that have changed. But how different is it to to coach these kids now compared to when you first broke in? Well, I I think a couple of things is, you know, it's really – fascinating looking at this whole podcast and and the quality of coaching that these kids have received i mean these are some really competent people i'm looking at uh and they you know a lot of them don't recognize how lucky they've been to play for mo and john and you know all of you guys uh i think kids will always still rise to the level of expectations and your expectations have to be high I just think you need to repeat yourself more often recently than you used to. I think that earlier in my career, the first time I'd say things, people would kind of buy into it. And I think you just got to get these kids to trust you and that you got to spend more time with them individually rather than collectively. And teams are such collective things, but you got, I think I've learned, or I believe you just got to spend more time with each kid explaining why you need to do it this way. And it eventually works. And if it doesn't work, you don't play them until they understand what you're trying to do to explain. <laughs> I mean, the bench, and we've all used it. You know, you hear Bill talk about their character. I mean, we've all not played kids. Mm-hmm. You know, to try to teach them the skills that they're going to need when they go on to play in the collegiate uh, level. And it's, that's the other thing, looking at you guys, it's like, oh, my God, how many of you guys have become such successful collegiate coaches as well? as prep school coaches, so not trying to reiterate, it's just how lucky these kids have been. And if kids change, you know, I, I'm kind of with Frank a little bit on that. You know, I, I think it's the extremities around them that changes. And the other thing that's changes we've all seen is the quantity of prep schools that kids can go. So kids always, it's almost like a divorced parent situation. <laughs> they, they're looking for the parent who's, or the coach who's going to tell them they're a Division One player. And it's like, no, you're not. You know, and I get the kid who comes to me and says, well, uh, I won't go Division Two. I will only go Division One." They said, well, you don't even have a Division Two scholarship right now. <laughs> so we'll never take that kid. It's just like if you're going to uh, negate 350 schools from the get-go, then that we're not an option. We just uh, – and I, what I like about all of us, I've seen everybody in this video be a disciplinarian, you know, towards their kids. You know, and, and I think that's what made us – somewhat all successful that uh, uh, our teams have never been democracies. You know, we've kind of run the programs and I think that's allowed us to find success. And I think kids come to our programs recognizing that. I just want to support that, Jeff. Uh, I think the kids, what is the difference with the kids? And I do think it's because of people around them is that they lack resiliency more now than they ever had before. And I think it's because the people around them remove the opportunities for them to be challenged, deal with that challenge, learn how to adapt, and then have success. And I think, you know, there are a lot of common threads that we all have in this room, but like Jerry said, we are resiliency training programs, every coach in this room. And uh, at NMH, our kids don't transfer when they go to college. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, our kids go to college and they graduate from that college. Uh, they may tra- transfer as a graduate student, but we really are committed to being resiliency training. And I think every other coach in this room has that same kind of philosophy where we want to provide opportunities for these kids to overcome. And I think that has been removed. My parents would say 
suck it up, walk it off, figure it out. And I don't think that happens much anymore. And I think that has changed. And as a result, the kids have changed. So I do think you see a different kind of player coming into our programs and some things that we have to teach them that used to be just common. Jeff, I, I wanted to pick what, what Jerry said about, to me, one of the things that not the kids, the coaches who are on this call and some of the guys who are not on, when I, when I went up from West Nottingham to New England, just watching John, the first person I talked to was Bill Batty at Norfolk Mount Herman. I really felt like the coaches during those days, even though we competed against each other, like really would take you under their wing if you were new. And uh, just there was, we kind of there for each other, even though we can, uh, competed really hard. I remember the first time I talked to Witt, Witt gave me a lot of insight uh, on New England when I first got to South Kent. I think the, the, just the quality of guys on this call in those days who were willing to help each other. I mean, there's several guys on the call, like I would say, hey, this, this kid right here, I can take one or two of these tough nuts, but I can't take a third. Can you take this kid? Like, I think we really tried to help each other because we really embraced, you know, what, what, what the prep school basketball scene was all about. There's no shortage of action going on in our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Uh, we've also got NBA futures, Lakers plus 225, Clippers plus 300, Bucks plus 325. Those are the three favorites. No surprise there. Uh, need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Who, who else? Who else are we miss? Daryl Schofield. We should have had a cameo from Schofield. Well, do you know if you if you schedule this goal for eight, you were probably playing at ten. <laughs> they showed up at nine fifty-six. <laughs> no doubt. No, there there was some. I mean, listen, I, I tried to keep it to real programs as much as I could. That was that was kind of my big thing. But I made a – you know, there were a few concessions that I made uh, at times. But I'm looking down even like the schedule. I wish I'd had John DeAngelis on here from Champlain. Like, mm-hmm. I, great that, guy. That, that, great. Is, that is your guy. So, Love you it. know, I, I've, I've got to interject there because there were like few – there were few requirements when I took over, but yep. like I think number two was Champlain has to remain in every event so long as John is there. Yeah, and, and number one was don't bow down to Keats. Don't bow down to Keats. <laughs> man. Hey, yeah, just so you know, my guy Adam, he took care of me, man, every year. It wasn't even an argument. He was saying, right, Oh, come on. Hey, he's we, like, need to, we need to stop right now. We need to stop this line of thinking. <laughs> Keats, did well, you ever, Adam, would you, Adam did you ever think? Go ahead, sir. Uh, I know you'll play any other, any game, any time. There's a couple of guys on this group who won't. And I said, <laughs> give me all the names if you want me to say them. Yeah, who's now. that? Yeah, who is that? So we we, we wanted the. Let's, let's just say you. Yeah, I don't know that there's. <laughs> no, me. I wanted the. I'll play anybody anytime. So I'll just I wanted the. Uh, I wanted you the. You all best said team. you would, but you're all full of shit when you said yeah, it. Because no when question. it came down to it, and I gave any of you the two, and I gave you two, I think Barton was probably the one who would actually go up against just about anybody. Cheney was a little whiny at times. I'll play anybody. I'll take one big boy, and then I want one that I know I can beat. You know, yeah. hey, Jeff, Martin was all, the guy I would say. I'll give Bill credit. You know, thank you. All you should show Martin, me, Jeff, listen, that we play each other anyway. Up Martin here, had so that Notre Dame toughness about him. I mean, just look at the floor they played on. <laughs> right, Bill? That's right. I, I, Jeff, I do remember that St. Andrews tournament. We played back to back Hargrave and Patterson, and between right. them, I bet they had ten guys that had at least a cup of coffee in the NBA. Those were two tough teams. Who who else did we forget about? Who who who? I'm trying to think. I'm looking Maybe, through uh, like. I mean, listen. How about Blair? How about Blair Academy? Joe yeah, Mantegna. Joe They've had some great yeah. teams. They were number oh. one. I did a preseason. I looked back at it, guys. I did a 
you can't really see it, but a preseason prep poll from 2003. Blair Academy was number one with Luazo and Charlie Villanueva. And Charlie. So, and yeah. then they had yeah. the good they had, but they had a good point guard who went to stand Royal Ivy. Hernandez. Yeah. No, it was, no, no, it was, it was, it was uh, after Royal Ivy, I think. Okay. Yeah, Royal Ivy went to Texas. Patrick Davidson, Mike Beers. No, there was a kid uh, Hernandez who went to Stanford that was really good yet. Jeff, is that, the prep school Bible, is that the prep school Bible you got? Yeah, this is the everybody, original prep school Bible. Everybody remember the prep school Bible, The man. original was, prep school <laughs> Bridgeton was number Bible. two. Who? I don't know where Witt went. I think Witt disappeared again. I think he said what he had to say, and he was out. He was out. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got other shit to do in Maine. Come on. Worcester Academy, number three. Dwight Brewington, Steve Haley. That wasn't your best team, though. Your best team was that team with, like, like you said, Brandon Winters, Mo, was like the 12th man or something. That was the year before we had uh, Craig, Craig Smith and Jarrett Jack and, uh, and that, that whole team. That was the year before. Uh, we that was won. one of the best prep teams ever right there, that team. Yeah. <laughs> I think, John, John, you just you just got to NMH then. Have you been uh, – I know we went up there and we, we played very well at NMH. Uh, yeah, you so played – but- yeah, Craig Smith did an off the back back off the backboard dunk on one of our uh, reserves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, I was it was great to hear the name Bill Batty. Um, you know, I think one thing in the New England, especially in the New England group, you know, some of the um, the guys, you know, Jerry Quinn obviously is here for Wit, uh, Bill Batty, uh, and you know, somebody who uh, I'm obviously very close with, Tom Blackburn, who was you know at Worcester Academy for 25 years, was really one of the you know I think the pillars of of New England basketball. You know, Max was there during those days and stuff. So there's there's some just awesome tradition and and wonderful people that you know go way back before the group that that's here and. Um, I think, you know, Bill Batty and, and just hearing that name is is, is awesome to, to think about him and all the teams that, and great players he had at Northfield over the years, too. Mm-hmm. And New, New Hampton um, had some good Jamie. coaches. Jamie Arsenal was one. Jamie that Arsenal, yeah. Good, yeah. Really good hey, I'll player. tell you another guy who was a great as just a prep school player, and he still is like a big thorn in my side. Was at, at that time was Rashad McCants at New Hampton when yeah. he was when he was at New Hampton. He was, in my opinion, was the hardest. He was like a pro at you know eighteen years old. They couldn't guard him. Yeah, him, him and Rashad and uh, Will Barton were going to be my two picks. Will Barton, as far as yeah. best yeah. players. Yeah, Rashad, Rashad did. Was, he was head and shoulders above everybody else at that point. Rashard. Yeah. It was it was terrific. Cheney, you got you gotta have a million stories. Give me your give me your best, most entertaining story. Give me something good here. My one story is Wit not on there? Is Wit still on there? You know, like I think he's probably you know, the, the reception at, at at Bridgeton out there in Maine, it wasn't good when I was out in, in uh and the two, out there and, last and week. In two thousand six, this is the only time this has ever happened to me. We played at the National Prep Invitational, uh, Dave Marin's event. Yeah. We're playing Bridgeton in a hell of a game. It's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We're up two in overtime. Their kid shoots a 60-footer in front of one of my guys. I'm going to shake hands for the win. It goes in, <laughs> and they win. So I call – I call a couple weeks later. I call Wit on the phone. He doesn't, he doesn't pick up, and the answering machine is not. This is Wit Lejeur from Bridgeton Academy. It's the video. It's the recording from that game. You're <laughs> 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 back. Yeah, the recording from the game-winning shot. I'm like Jesus. So, that's the only time that ever happened to me. So, Keats, is it is it crazy? Did you ever think, and and, and all you guys, when you got into this, uh, a lot of you again have coached in in college. Uh, a lot of you have uh, had opportunities to coach in college and haven't done it. But um, Kevin, did you ever think when you got into it that you would be the head coach at an ACC school? No, Jeff. It's crazy because we all patterned ourselves after someone. When I was at Hargrave, things were so good. I, I wanted to be Fletcher Eric. I wanted to stay there 30, 40 years if I could. And then, obviously, um, I ended up getting a great break 
But I, I'll tell you this, um, everybody on this call, um, and I'm sure um, when you look at Jerry and Whit, uh, all of you guys at some point, Mo did it, um, you know, uh, Bill's done it, Raphael. At any point, anybody on this call can be a, a Division One basketball coach because the minds here are so great. So, Jeff, I didn't. Um, I, you know, when I got the, my first opportunity, I got a chance to go to Marshall. And uh, I didn't know what Marshall was. And then I ended up taking it. But to be honest with you, I kind of missed our guys. And that's when I came back to Hargrave. Um, and I, and I ended up staying there for eight more years. And so, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have any plans. Um, I thought I was going to be there forever. I thought it was going to be a great situation. Uh, how about this? Every player that has come out of all of these programs, those guys are always ready to play in college. Like, you, there was no – red shirting of prep school mm -hmm. kid. It was almost like you're getting a junior college kid, but he's more prepared and he's still got four years to play. Listen, wasn't it tougher going up against Jerry Quinn than Coach K? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very similar. Very, very similar. Cameron or, Cameron or St. Thomas More, where are the referees, where are the referees yeah. tougher to play against? Cameron or St. Thomas More? I you know, might go with St. Thomas More. You had no chance. I never wanted either place. I've coached at both. I never wanted either place. And had no shot of ever winning at St. Thomas More. And, hey, Jerry, Jerry, when he MFs a kid, doesn't do this either. Yeah. <laughs> he just MFs him. Got to be up 12 with a minute left. Up 12 with a minute left. You got a chance. Look at all these guys dressing there. They're trying to make – they're putting me down. They're making you look bad. Raphael would show up with his sky blue suit. <laughs> hey, hey I, how about the suit? Yo, I just remember – I only wanted Jerry's once. And I'm looking at the clock. I'm thinking we're going to win. It's five minutes left. And I said, somehow we got to get up 20 right now because there's no chance we're winning this game. We ended up winning by, like, one. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like, one, one, win, one win at St. Thomas More. All those years, one. Really? And how many tries? Uh, Jerry, how many times we played at your place? At least five, six, at least. But no chance. And they start well, beating mean, on that. Don't they start beating on that. They start beating on that pipe. Be good at home. Be good at home. Because <laughs> I tell you what, and, and we all agree, going to each other's prep school, and and uh, uh, you know, the last few years, which teams has haven't been like they were 15 years ago. But you still go to Brishton, and he's playing a bunch of Division three and Division two kids, and you can have five Division one kids on your team to leave there with a win. You have to play very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just because I think it, it credits the coaches. Once again, you know, we all have our styles. We all do what we do. But going to anybody's gym and winning is you walk out of there with a big grin on your face. It's hard. We, we got about five minutes left. Um... I don't know the best way to end it. I, I was going to end it with asking everybody their favorite player that they ever coached first and see if we got a minute left. Let, let's run down yeah. that if we can uh, quickly. Uh, favorite player, uh, Mo, you want to start? Top left. Uh, favorite player at Worcester Academy, definitely Jarrett Jack. I think uh, probably the ultimate competitor, student athlete, family kid, um, just one one of those guys that everybody wanted to be around, play with, play together with, and uh, you know, obviously, I had a lot of success after Worcester Academy too. But he, he'd be my number one. He was also way ahead of the game when it came to uh, technology. That kid, man, unbelievable. Uh, Keats, favorite favorite part of coach? You're you're making me um, choose against all my kids, um, so I have to do it. Um, you know, I, I loved I loved coaching Vernon Mack. Um, really. You know, I, I thought he was good. And the reason why he was good, he wasn't very skilled, but he knew who he was. He would rebound everything. Um, and those kind of guys stick with me, guys who are just play hard all the time. Uh, it was several more, but I, I would go with Vernon Macklin. Uh, he was a McDonald's All-American out of there. It was pretty good. Bill Barton, do we just assume it was D.C.? Uh, no, yeah. I liked, I liked a lot of the guys, you know, Lazar Haywood and Beasley and Paul Harris, but my, my favorite player to coach because he was the toughest player I ever coached was Chester Frazier out of Baltimore. Wow. I mean, he came back from a seizing end injury in three weeks and, you know, we, we didn't even look for a doctor's note. He just walked in my office and said, I'm playing tonight. And I said, let's go. But I mean, he was just a coach on the floor, tough as nails. I, I love that kid. Listen, I still say, if you give me the opportunity to take one guy to the park to play, Rucker Park, 
I'll take Paul Harris. Oh, yeah. He was – he would play all the time. I, I, I tell you, he used to go, leave the dorm and go down to the Fitchburg Y and play in the men's league and things like that. He just wanted to play all the time. He didn't want to work on his jump shot. He just wanted to play. Yep. If that rule hadn't gone in – think about this. If the rule hadn't gone in, the one and done, Paul Harris would have been certainly a first-round pick coming out of high school, prep school. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, Chaney, who you got? I'll have to go back to my high school days. Uh, Lewis Bullock was my first McDonald's All-American in 1995. And his, his year when I coached high school, we – we beat Stu Vetter's Prospect Hall team, number one team with Nate James and all them. So he's always just been a special guy for me. Chaney, by the way, are you still eating uh, Hershey bars for for breakfast? I have lost twenty some pounds, so I'm trying to I'm trying to get back into my tennis shape. So you got me addicted to that. Chaney and I, what year? That was like how many years ago? Like eight, ten years ago. Chaney went in a a tour with me to to about how many practices we go to? Like seven seven practices. Seven and- Three days, or yeah, yeah. So Chaney was eating Hershey bars every morning for breakfast. So and who who drove the whole way? Did you drive the whole way? Oh. Wow, <laughs> warrior! I was like driving Miss Daisy back then. I guess uh, chills. Who you got? Ooh, I would say if you went talent, it'd be Isaiah, Darrell, and and Andre. But my favorite player to coach ever was Gilbert Brown. I had him from as an eighth grader when I was at West Nottingham. He played up a year, and then when went to South Kent, he went, and I had him for five years. He was for sure my favorite player, and he really turned himself into a player. When we first got him, Josh Boone, those guys used to call him Grandma Brown because he was so slow, and he ends up, he ends up being one of the most athletic kids, you know, to play in the ACC during the time when he played. Gilbert Brown was one of my favorites for sure. John? I think um, uh, the, the player who really created the blueprint for what we do, the leadership academic basketball model, um, it really was Laurent Rivard, uh, played for us for two years, great shooter, went over to Harvard, two-time captain at Harvard, broke all the three-point records. He was really kind of the blueprint for what we've done since, you know, that, that, to see that that was possible. So I would say Laurent. Do you have the, the latest count of how many guys you put into the Ivy Leagues? Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's uh, 40. We'll have 12 next year in the Ivies. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Jason. Favorite player? Uh, probably Devontae Graham or Donovan Mitchell, just in terms of their daily approach. Devontae wasn't low maintenance. He was no maintenance. I don't think I ever had to raise my voice one time for Devontae Graham. You know, couldn't afford to take him off the floor. Both of them, uh, each each season, they were, Donovan was two years, two New England championships, two national championships. Devontae's year, Nepsack and national. My favorite call every year is when I call Jason in December. It's usually December. I try to get up there, um, and I know Jason's going to bitch and, and moan about his team no matter what. No matter how talented, <laughs> no matter how good they are, he's like, I hate them. I hate them more than any team I've ever had. I hate this player more than any player I've ever had. <laughs> I can't wait till they go to break. I don't want to see him for a month. It's classic. Hey, uh, Jeff, just so you know, he's still doing that when I call him. Absolutely. <laughs> 1,000%. 1,000%. In July, he hasn't recruited anybody yet. In That's December, right. he hates everybody. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's the admission director. He can get anybody he wants in. <laughs> not anybody. I guess not anybody, Keats. Jerry, who, who's your, your favorite player you've ever coached? I know it's a tough question, but. Well, you know, hopefully you all get an opportunity if you have sons, but I was fortunate enough to coach my two sons, Michael and Matthew, which was wonderful. But really, when you do something for 42 years, like I, if I break the kid in the 90s, it was a kid, Steve Frazier, who uh, mm. would have been a lottery pick, but he goes uh, on Midnight Madness, gets his uh, knee blown out. And then in the early early stages, certainly a kid like Eddie Cota, which we had for two years. So it's spectacular, Carolina. And then Andre, of course. But I think the one kid who we had that really overachieved, and he's still overachieving, and it was wonderful, is on our national championship team, the kid Damian Lee. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, just shows up as a 17-year-old, and, and uh, you know, he's a low Division One player. And you and I just – that first month I, I was with him, I said, you know, Damian, you have a chance to make a lot of money in this game. And he looked at me. I said, you're just a special kid. 
So in the last 10 years, certainly a kid like Damien, uh, 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 he's the kind of kid who epitomizes our program. Just come and work and work and work. It's, it's crazy. We have six kids in the NBA, and four of them, you know, from mid-major programs. You know, so that's – but Damien was a special, special, special uh, treat. Yeah, that, that's – I mean, that's been the most fun for me doing what I'm doing. And, and I, Adam, I don't know if you could speak to this also, but – and then we'll get to Witt's pick since he's back. But but watching these kids, you know, from a young age, um, mature and, 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 you know, grow up. And you now see them, whether it's in the NBA or you talk to some kids that uh, are overseas when I covered the TBT for a few years. And just, again, how they've matured, how they can now – a kid that couldn't speak to me back when he was 16, 17, 18 years old and now is is able to carry on a conversation and – and be so social, like that's that's the most fun part for me. Um, Adam, anything to add to that? You know, I think, and and I I learned this from you um, because I, you know, my background was in coaching; it wasn't in journalism. So when you're you're kind of doing the media side of it. Um, you, you're trying to help these kids. So whether it was uh, the most most notorious one I ever had was Stephen Adams. Um, who at the time Bill was at Pittsburgh and, and Ryan Hurd was a coach at, at Notre Dame. But Stephen Adams, when he first got here, I mean, he just started the, the Adidas, uh, I think it was the Euro camp, but he was an international sensation. And he was, I mean, this guy literally, I was interviewing him at, at Dave Marin's thing in, at Rhode Island College. He didn't like my question. He said something, suffice it to say, inappropriate. And then he literally throws me in a um, – in the, in like the gymnastics pit of Nerf balls there, like literally just threw me, threw me in. Really? And, uh, what did you and ask him? Uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll skip that part, but um, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's, um, it, it was just, so he's, he goes on the bars and he's swinging around and then he starts climbing up. I go to give him a hand and this guy, he just takes me and throws me right over his head. Wow. into the and, and when I watch him now and when I watch like the way in which he uh can articulate himself I mean I think the guy wrote his own book now so I mean this is this is a kid who had no idea like how to communicate and you know guys like Andre Drummond and stuff like that I mean so I would say Jeff the thing that I I learned from from you on the media side and goes along with your point is, is you can help these kids to figure out like things they're going to have to deal with. And, and I remember like Dre would say stuff like, like you'd, I'd ask him a question. He'd give a response. I'm like, no, that's not what you're going to say. And he'd be, he'd be like, he'd be like what? And I was like, Dre, that's, you know, you can't say that. And I knew, and I knew Dre before, you know, before he got to, to Timor. So it was, but a lot of those kids, I mean, you have some kids like Donovan Mitchell who are, who are very articulate right off the bat. You have other kids who, who, you know, you can, and get to know and help and then you see the way they mature not just as, as players but as people and especially like dealing with the media it's always like fun every time I watch a Stephen Adams interview I'm I'm remember myself soaring over his head because he just refused to answer questions listen I know we're over an hour and uh, Jason's got to start recruiting because otherwise he's going to complain again that he doesn't have any players for this year so we'll we'll, we'll let him go and everybody John Carroll got to go to where Yellowstone is that what he said Jellystone. Head in the glacier. Head in the glacier. Are we going to couple of I think the cool part is I just Wait, want you to like wanna try one, one more time? Quick. Wait, you want to give it one more shot or no? I'm good. It's not going to work with. Wait, he's there. Close now. Now, hey, you're working? You hear me? Sort of. Favorite player? Uh, would never answer that question in a million years because I'm going to make about uh, 249 guys uh, pretty disappointed, and one guy's going to feel good for a day. So just choose a I'm, full I, pay kid. Wit a full pay kid. Well, I'll tell you, one of my favorite full pay kids of all time is Corey Verasco, without question, who was on that 07 team that uh, you've already heard of. Uh, through Adam had a disappointing end, but everything else was spectacular. And he came back here after his career at Southern New Hampshire and coached with me as well. The Lord Peters and then coached with the Orlando Magic before 
uh, getting married and having a family and moving on to bigger stuff. So he certainly ranks among my favorites. But uh, Paris Horn, who's my assistant coach right now, uh, mm. guess what? One of my favorites. And, and so I could just keep going, and that wouldn't be fair to all the other guys. As Jack Lejour is the toughest kid you ever coached. Jack Lejour is the toughest kid you ever coached. <laughs> um, he still holds the Christian record for charges taken. You know, so Bill would have liked him on – Bill would have liked him on that count. <laughs> Listen, I appreciate everybody jumping on. I hope this was uh, as fun for you guys as it was for me to to honestly see all of you uh, in the pandemic. And uh, hope everybody's well. Hope the family's well. Uh, Jerry Quinn, it is terrific seeing you doing well and back to your old self. That has made my day, to be honest. And uh, everybody, again, thanks for taking the time. Um, and we'll talk soon. Hopefully, we'll see each other in person soon. Thank you, Jeff. Take care, guys. Thanks, Jeff. All right, everybody. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.